got a story, I've got a story, we've got a story. I'm Brad McEwen, and I'm here to tell that story. This is Beyond the Bank. I think anybody who knows me, or at least regularly listens to Beyond the Bank, is well aware that I've got a real soft spot for people. It doesn't matter their age, their gender, their demographics, or their interests. My whole life, I've just had a passion for others. So suffice it to say, earning a living where I quite literally get paid to spend time getting to know people truly is one of my life's greatest blessings. And while I absolutely love inviting friends, acquaintances, and colleagues to visit with me beyond the bank, I have to admit, I get an extra dose of excitement when I get to welcome someone I didn't really know to the podcast, especially when the guest in question was suggested by people whose opinions I greatly value. And I reckon I throw on a few bonus excitement points, too, whenever such a guest is a relative newcomer to our community who has fallen in love with the place I call home. In fact, that was 100% the case recently, when after he was suggested by several folks, I welcomed Phoebe Putney Health Systems Chief Financial Officer Brian Church to join me for a Beyond the Bank chat. I had heard of Brian, who located to Albany from Fort Myers in 2014, from a number of different people in the community. And it always seemed any mention of him was always accompanied by some kind of platitude or comment about him being a really great guy. And not long into our conversation, it was pretty apparent I'd been told the truth. Exceedingly gracious and forthright, Brian spent nearly an hour with me, not a small chunk of time for the CFO of one of the Southeast's preeminent healthcare systems, talking to me about growing up in the church house, the many positive forces that have impacted his life, his journey into healthcare finance, and most importantly, the love and affection he and his family have for the Albany area community and the incredible people who call it home. Please welcome my guest, Brian Church. Brian, I have to be honest, yours is a name that has come up repeatedly as I've spoken to friends and colleagues about potential podcast guests, so I really am thrilled you were able to take the time to come in and chat with me today. Brad, it's my honor to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. Now, as I mentioned, when we were sort of working out the logistics, my hope today is that we could sh- you talk a little bit about you uh, with our listeners, give you a chance to share who you are, you know, your career journey, uh, hopefully touch on some of your philosophies about healthcare and whatnot, and then uh, maybe get some of your thoughts on Albany. Does that sound like a plan? That's wonderful. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, with that, let's jump in and talk a little background. Um, I know you've been in Albany about six years, having come here from Lee Memorial Health System in Fort Myers, but it also looked like Florida might be home for you. Do I have that right? That's right, Brad. I was uh, I was born in Fort Myers, Florida, um, about 42 years ago. And uh, okay. Fort Myers is a, a neat little town. Um, you know, it's actually the summer home of Thomas Edison, Ford and Firestone. So it, it was a uh, a little historic in, in that pers- perspective and three great men that were there. And uh, the biggest thing now is it's such a tourist destination. Uh, oh, yeah. It's growing like crazy. Uh, when I was uh, growing up there, you know, you could actually ride your bike down the street. Now you might get ran over by a, a senior citizen. So uh, there's so, so many people uh, there and it's just growing, growing, growing. But yeah, I uh, grew up down in Fort Myers. Uh, my mom was a school teacher. Um, my, my dad did a lot of work um, with business development and sales uh, across his career. So um, you know, good upbringing, good family, um, you know, just a, a great place. Now it never snowed, never got cold, <laughs> but, uh, 
but no, it was, it was a great place to live. Well, I can appreciate that. In fact, uh, that is one thing you and I have in common. I too was born in Florida. Uh, I, I believe a little bit further south. Uh, I was originally from Boynton Beach, Florida, yeah. although my parents lived in Boca. Uh, but we left there when I was two. Beautiful area. But I do have to claim birthplace of Florida. Still have kinfolk there. Uh, my wife, the only member of her family born in Florida. Wow. Awesome. Yes, yes. In fact, she was born in Tallahassee, which I think you know a little something about. I know know that too. <laughs> so we'll talk about that in just a second. Now, um, you mentioned mom was a school teacher and, uh, you know, dad was involved in sales and in business development and stuff. Um, give me an idea about, you know, how would you categorize sort of life in the church house growing up? Yeah. I mean, I, I would say we were very much middle-class family. Um, my parents were, were both very Catholic and, and grew up in Catholic households themselves. So uh, we went to church a lot. Um, you know, I wouldn't say there was anything uh, too different about growing up in the eighties that most people didn't experience, but you know, I, I think back now and, you know, we, we had a uh, VHS teps, we'd go to a uh, blockbuster and obviously that'd be the big, the big thing you'd go and get the newest release oh, yeah. of, of whatever movie. And, just, just a different time, a lot slower, it, it feels like, than, than what today is like with all the technology and everything that's available to us. At, oh, yeah. At, at, at our, you know, our fingerprints. So, but no, I mean, it, it was a, a great area to grow up, grow up in. Um, you know, the, the thing that constantly comes back to me is just constant growth. I mean, the communities down there are just always growing uh, at such a clip and uh, a little bit different, obviously, than, than what we see here in Albany sometimes in terms of those challenges, but, but every community has challenges. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, um, you know, I went to Catholic school, not Catholic, uh, but I did marry a girl who grew up Catholic and uh, she comes from a large family. Did you have uh, siblings to deal with or was it just yep. Brian? Nope. I have a little brother, uh, Alex, and uh, he's still down there. He lives in uh, Cape Coral, Florida, which is right okay. across the river from, from Fort Myers. And he has three beautiful uh, daughters himself. I've got one daughter. So we've got uh, you know, four girls between the two of us, and there's there's no boys uh, left to go. So we're we're both pretty much done, and and we're happy with all girls. <laughs> I got you. I got you. Well, um, you know, as mentioned, uh, went to Florida State, Tallahassee. Um, good Florida-born boy would look at that as being a success. Um, what I'm interested in knowing is what drew you to Florida State. Yeah. So um, my dad actually went to the University of Florida, so he was a Gator, and my mom uh, went to University of Illinois. So uh, my dad actually was fine with me going to Florida State, and it really was just the feel of it. I, I went up to Tallahassee, and much like Albany, I mean, it's just it, it, it's a big town, but it's also a small town. Sure. I mean, there's, I don't know, probably 180,000 people that live in Tallahassee, but it, it just always felt comfortable to me, and, and, and Gainesville did not. Um, so I just I kind of fell in love with Tallahassee and kind of the South and, and just the way people treated each other and, and how much kinder people were and, and nicer they were to that. I like the rolling hills in Tallahassee and didn't have that down in South Florida. Sure, Everything is, sure. is flat and palm trees. There's really no, no real trees. No. So uh, that, that's what drew me to it. And um, it probably helped that it was about 60% female, 40% male. That, that was probably, does. probably a good, a good indicator too that helped. <laughs> well, we've found yet another thing we have in common. My father also went to the university of Florida, <laughs> although he uh, did not graduate there, ultimately went to Georgia, didn't graduate there either, but that's a story for a whole nother time. <laughs> But it's always been fun uh, being a guy growing up in Albany, Georgia, Bulldog heaven. That's right. There, there's no doubt about <laughs> the Florida connection. There's no doubt about what, what kind of town Albany is. Albany is a, a dog. You better get used to it pretty quick. It is a dog city. <laughs> yes, sir. It is a dog town. Now, Brian, your role is interesting. Your role at the, ho at the hospital system is interesting in that. I mean, obviously, it's healthcare, but you're on the financial side of things. So 
back during our time in Tallahassee, did you had healthcare emerged as something or were you going at more the financial aspect? Talk, talk to me about that. It's actually pretty interesting, Brad. Um, in the last couple of years, uh, Florida State reached out to me, um, you know, proximity to Tallahassee. And I've gone and spoke to them a couple of times. I've done some web things for them for their uh, MBA program and their graduate program because they don't have a healthcare track at Florida State for finance. So they, they were so intrigued um, and, and were looking for people that graduated from Florida State that got into healthcare. So when I was at Florida State, I, I Healthcare wasn't even on my radar. I was thinking, you know, probably like banking or invest investments. I, I really loved investing um, and, and doing that type of finance. So when I graduated, um, that's that's basically what I got into. I started working for American Express. Uh, they had a program to help you get your Series Seven and your insurance license, and they taught you all about the different programs. And uh, it was a great company. Uh, what I learned pretty quick, though, as a 22 year old, uh, it was real hard for me to talk to a 60 year old and try to convince them to trust me with their retirement savings. I, I can um, appreciate that. So uh, I loved the investing side of it. I didn't so much care for the 99% sales that you had to had to be doing <laughs> at American Express. So I quickly pivoted and um, actually had a real kind of strange opportunity. My dad was working for Lee Memorial. Uh, doing business development, and they were trying to get a um, half cent sales tax for a new trauma center. And he was a big supporter of that. And he was on street corners holding up signs, trying to get people to vote for that. So one morning at six in the morning, he drug me out of bed to go to a street corner. And I was standing there for two hours holding the sign up and happened to be next to this wonderful woman who I had never met before, but she turned out to be the uh, secretary for the CEO of the healthcare system. And she asked me a bunch of questions about, you know, you just graduated from college. What are you doing? And it was just a casual conversation. I didn't think anything of it. But at the end, end of the end of the day, she said to me, she goes, you're going to meet with this person next Tuesday. I've already set it up. I'm looking at her like, <laughs> oh, OK, it turned out to be the VP of finance for um, for the hospital. And uh, I met with him and uh, I remember going into his office. And the first thing he said is, I don't have a job for you. I didn't want to do this. But Linda told me I had to do it. So I'm doing it. I said, oh, this, this is a great start. You're you know? about to say welcome. <laughs> But, but literally an hour and 45 minutes later, um, I mean, he just, we just hit it off and we just had a great conversation and, and he could tell I wasn't there to try to hit him up for a job. I just was trying to understand more about healthcare finance. And about three weeks later, out of the blue, he called me and I'll never forget this too. He said, I, I had an opening, but it's a terrible job. I don't think you're going to want it, but if you want it, you, you, you can have it. And it was probably the lowest, the lowest job in healthcare finance you possibly could have. I was a bookkeeper slash AP clerk. Okay. Making, I don't know, $12, $11 an hour. Um, so it's about as low as you can start in, in healthcare finance. But I loved it because I got to see exactly, you know, how everything from AP, payroll, all that works, um, you know, from the very bottom. And then obviously, uh, thankfully, I've had a great career and, and been able to uh, have a lot of opportunity that been blessed many, many times to, to be where I'm at today. I'm with you. I'm with you. Now, Brian, I know, you know, because that's a... Those, that that skill set can transfer to to different industries. You could take what you do. You could go to a bank. You could go to a Fortune five hundred company. But you've chosen to stay in healthcare. Any particular reason for that? Did you see or learn anything during those early times that said, you know, yes, I have a passion for the finance side and the numbers, but I, but I, I, there's something about this healthcare thing. Yeah, and, and Brad, you and I've actually talked about this just recently. But I mean, I think to me, what what intrigues me about healthcare, specifically not for profit healthcare like Phoebe, is the fact that you are truly, uh, you know, it's not just about the finance; it's about the community, and it's a constant. Balance. The hardest part of my job is balancing. It's 
we want to do everything we can to give away as many services as we possibly can. But if you give away too much, then you can't make payroll and you can't pay your bills. Sure. So I love that challenge, that challenge of let's do more and more and more for the community, but then let's make sure we balance it with strategies that can actually pay the bills and keep our employees, um, you know, doing what they need to do. So I love that daily challenge. Um, I love that what, at the end of the day, what we're actually doing is providing a service to the community. Um, I'm lucky every once in a while I get to fill in for our CEO for um, new employee orientation. And I always start off by telling them, you know, if you, if you remember one thing from today after, you know, 12 hours of orientation or whatever they have to go through, remember when you walk down the hall, you're taking care of your mother, your brother, your sister, your aunt, you're not taking care of some number. I mean, these are, you're taking care of the community. They're depending on you. They're coming to you when they're sick, when they're not feeling good. They don't want to be here. Nobody wakes up and says, you know what? I want to go to Phoebe on Tuesday and have a surgery. I've been wanting to do that for a while. And I think it'll just be fun to have somebody cut on me. So pe- people are coming to us, Brad, when they're, you know, they're hurting, they're, they're not feeling well. It's our job to make them feel good, feel supported. Um, so that, that, that's what excites me about healthcare and specifically the finance part of it. It is unbelievably challenging with Medicare, Medicaid, all the commercial payers. Um, but at the end of the day, I get to walk to my truck and I get to see the emergency room. I get to see what we're doing and that we are the 24 hour safety net. And I get to talk to so many community members about what Phoebe has done for them, how it saved their mom, their brother, their dad. And, and when it was there for them on Christmas day or Easter or whatever, um, that's what we're here for. We're here for when people don't, don't want us, (laughs) but we're here when, when they need us. I'm with you. I'm with you now, you know, having grown up here, I know what Phoebe means to the community. And I know that it's, you know, it's a different animal than, you know, not every hospital or medical hospital system is equal and depending on the mission and how they were structured and this, that, and the other. What kind of uh, preparation did the Lee medical give to you? I mean, was it a similar type setup? Was that a community? Yeah, very, very similar, almost a mirror image. So it's a not-for-profit healthcare system too. It was started very humble beginnings. Um, not as old as Phoebe. Phoebe's one of probably the older not-for-profit healthcare systems that I've ever run across. I mean, Phoebe was started in 1911 by Judge Francis Putney. You know, he really had three um, you know key covenants when he made the donation of twenty-five thousand to the Women's Auxiliary that the building be be built out of brick so that it, it couldn't burn down. That it take care of all people regardless of their race, religion, or creed, which in 1911 was was pretty phenomenal. Yeah, um, and he wanted it named after his his mother, uh, Phoebe Putney. So I mean. Yeah, there's very few um, hospitals I've come across that have that kind of thoughtful, um, you know, to, to, to number one, have been started by the Women's Aid Society. So you think about in 1911, you've got some amazing women coming together saying our community to grow and to take care of its population needs a hospital to approach Judge Putney and say, hey, you need to do this. I mean, it's an obligation of you as doing so well in the community. You need to help the community and you need to make this donation. Um, and then just that that mantra of even back then to to take care of all people, regardless of their ability to pay um, their race, their creed. I mean, that's just that blows me away. And I think that is what makes Phoebe so special. I'm with you. I'm with you now. You know, as much as you can, give me an idea, if if possible, uh, as from your perspective on the finance side of things. How does that what kinds of challenges kind of get presented that you might not have if you were in a for profit situation? Yeah, I would say the, the difference between like for-profit healthcare um, and not for-profit healthcare is really we get to make decisions here locally. So, you know, in for-profit healthcare, you've got somebody in Nashville or in New York, and it's all about the shareholder. You need to generate money for the shareholder of, you know, HCA or tenant or, or, or whoever. 
But here, like at Phoebe, what, what just gets me so excited about Phoebe and being part of not-for-profit healthcare is we can decide on Tuesday that we want to have a partnership with Flint River Fresh and we want a community garden next to the hospital. And we can do that in 24 hours. We don't have to go ask somebody in Atlanta for permission or somebody in New York or, or California. We can we can do that tomorrow if we decide. If our board, uh, our local board, who is all local community members, business owners, bankers, um, doctors, we can decide as as a community, this is the right thing to do for Phoebe. And, and we don't have to go ask somebody that, that doesn't live in the community, that doesn't belong to the community. That that's, that's what's different between for-profit and not for-profit. For-profit, you'd have to fill out 12 forms and ask six different people, um, you know, if, if it'd be okay to do that. Um, Man, that sounds eerily familiar to uh, the explanation that I give to people who ask me the difference between working for the bank I used to work for and working for AB&T, the community bank. Yeah. It's that local decision. It's that understanding of what's going on in your own backyard and being able to respond to it. Um, you know, staying on that topic a little bit, Brian, I, I'm sure it has to be frustrating sometimes to see what you see and know how much goes on and then to hear some of the comments that get made and, you know, they find out what somebody makes or what this costs. And then, they, oh, I thought it was a nonprofit and did help people yeah, understand yeah. kind of how that makes you feel. And then how maybe that's just not the right way to look at it. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a couple issues there, Brad. Um, you know, number one, when I came here eight years ago, uh, Phoebe was um, I, I couldn't believe what was here when I first came and interviewed. And was asked to come up here and I saw the services that were here in the oncology program, the cardiac program, the outreach to the community, the different primary care offices and really the safety net that Phoebe provided. Um, I was blown away. I, I could not believe in a community this size that something like Phoebe existed. It just shouldn't. I mean, on paper, it should not. It should not be here. Um, the hospital should be much smaller. The services should be much reduced. But, but there's people here that you could tell, board members and, and, and former leaders that had a lot of uh, foresight to, to build this, to be a hub and spoke to where, you know, we've got hospitals now in, in Worth. We've got hospitals um, in, in Americus and Sumter County. There's physician practices between Bonavista, Georgia and Camilla, Georgia. All that is a strategy to help provide services to, to rural Southwest Georgia. But all that business gets driven to Albany. I mean, so you, know, you look at our oncology program, 50% of the patients don't come from Doherty County. They come from eight or 10 counties outside of Doherty County. So when those people come here, um, you know, they, they get hotel rooms, they, they, they eat at restaurants, they, they shop at the mall. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's, that's the thing that frustrates me the most. I, I also am fortunate and blessed um, to sit on the Economic Development Commission. And we're constantly struggling with those issues of growth and how do we get more businesses and be more attractive. So I, that's, that's the good side. Now, to, to, to relate to what some of the comments are about Phoebe and the cost, you know, one, one example I would give you is I, I like to tell people, you know, I, I haven't had a fire at my house uh, in 20 years. I haven't need the police to come out in 20 years, but I pay for it every year on my taxes. Yep. I mean, I don't get a choice. Healthcare in this country, I, I think when people point those out, that they're, they're really asking for healthcare reform. They, they want to see a, a different way that healthcare is delivered. And I don't disagree with that. I mean, right now, the way it's delivered is you don't pay for any healthcare until you actually use the system. So when, when you come to the system, you pay, but it has to be available to you 24 hours, seven days a week, 365. So that, that to me is the fundamental difference with, with how we pay for like the fire department or the police department and how as a country we, we've chosen to pay for healthcare. It's you pay for it as you use it and as you go versus it being a, a service for all people. So I can understand, um, I, I guess I'd also tell people that the costs in healthcare, a lot of them aren't controlled by sure. the hospital. Exactly. So, you know, um, 
we recently had to buy two new linear accelerators for our radiation oncology program, which um, Dr. McAfee and Dr. Jones do a tremendous job with that program. Each one of those costs two and a half million dollars. So, you know, when, when you've got to make a five million dollar investment in, in a program, um, it, it absolutely is not um, something that Phoebe can control. I, I can't tell that company that makes sure. that equipment how much I want to pay. So we have to, you know, we have to recruit that cost. And I'd also tell you, Phoebe's not perfect. And there, there's always opportunity. And one of the beauty, beauties is that it is a community hospital and the community should um, should approach us and, and, and ask for us to improve and get better and do things differently um, or communicate better or have better outreach. And, and I think um, our, our CEO, Scott Steiner, and, and our boards and all of our leadership team are open to that, that there is no perfect institution and, and Phoebe's not perfect. And I think that's what Scott has tried to bring to us the last uh, three or four years is, you know, engaging with the community and really asking their opinion and, and how can we uh, do things differently. Sure. Well, you know, it's funny how far just giving someone an audience and really listening to them. We talk about that downstairs with the, you know, the junior bankers. I mean, one of the first things we try to teach them is the, the that listening is more than hearing that it's a active and, and it's a participating thing. And and when you feel like somebody's doing that for you, you're going to be more responsive. That's right. You know? Now you touched on something that I also think is important to, to point out to listeners. And that is the, the hub and spoke concept, this notion of, of rural health. Um, I never have a physician or anyone connected with the medical world on here with that doesn't come up. Uh, but sometimes I think it's easy for that to get lost on some of the folks here and they forget that how central Albany is and they don't maybe think about what somebody in, in Buena Vista would do if they didn't have the clinic there. So talk to me a little bit about yeah. that and the impact you're having even beyond Albany Doherty County. Yeah. I mean, a, a couple of things, I mean, healthcare, you know, I, I touched on some of the technological expense, but you know, there's not enough doctors, there's not enough nurses. I mean, there is a lot of hospitals, rural hospitals that have closed, um, not just in Georgia, but Alabama, Florida, South Carolina, North Carolina. And, and a lot of it is, is that cost and that, that ability to recruit people. One thing that Phoebe did really, really well in the uh, early to mid nineties is they started a family medicine residency program. Oh yeah. So, you know, you've got people, we've got now, um, 24, uh, you know, graduates of medical school that we are bringing to Albany every year. They're here for three years. They're, you know, engrossed in the community. They practice at Phoebe Northwest. They see patients that they're part of the community. And heck, a lot of them have ended up staying not just in Albany, but in Southwest Georgia. And when you look at some of the numbers of primary care doctors per population, we have much better numbers than places that don't have a program like that. So I bring that up to say that that's one way we populate a lot of these clinics and outlying yeah. activities is through that medical education uh, we also have mobile units. Um, we've been very blessed and had some wonderful donations during COVID. Um, you know, people didn't know how to help. Um, we all were struggling with COVID and and, and some very generous people and, and corporations gave us money. And, you know, I'll give Scott a lot of credit. One of the things he said is, well, how, how do we, how do we push this forward? How, how do we, how do we take this, this generosity that people have given us and make sure it serves in the right way? And, and the mobile units kind of bubbled up to the surface. Let's purchase two mobile units that can go out into rural uh, Georgia that can provide primary care services. Initially, it was to do vaccinations and uh, screenings for COVID, but now it's turned into how do we go into some of those communities that, that can't have a full-time provider? There's just not enough population. Or, mm -hmm. But how can we do that like on Tuesdays and Thursdays in one community and Wednesdays and Fridays in another? So I think that's, you know, if anything good has come out of COVID, not much has, but if anything good, that, that, that's been a wonderful thing. People's generosity has led to better services for, for rural health care. Well, thank you for mentioning that, uh, Brian, because 
one of the things I was going to ask is obviously, you know, I mean, you were fortunate, a little different than Scott, that you, you got to kind of get into the community before the specter of COVID comes down. But I, I have gotten the feedback from others connected to, to uh, Phoebe and to medicine in general that, and we can point to it in banking, that COVID accelerated some things or made us aware of some things that we might not have seen right away and have helped us adjust what we're doing today, even in a post well, not quite post, but you know what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. Were there anything else, anything else like that that sort of bubbled up or any aha moments right. where we could turn a, a negative into a, a, a learning experience? I think I think one thing we've learned, um, and a lot of my focus in the early days of COVID was around the supply chain. Um, you know, we had become so dependent on just-in-time inventory for masks. I mean, just really anything. Um, you know, we've got a small storeroom um, in the basement of Phoebe where we keep, you know, some some high use supplies that we really have need for on a day to day basis. But but we had really bought into just in time inventory. So it's not like Phoebe had some big warehouse in Albany just you know full of rows and rows of of masks and gowns and and things that we would need to take care of a, a pandemic. We had really depended on the supply chain to be there when we needed it. And we found out it, it wasn't there. So, um, you know, I think one thing we've learned and, and taken from it is, is we have to have um, some ability to have some supplies, you know, locally here and not count on uh, China or the, the folks in Atlanta to, to send them down to us. Um, so that, that was definitely um, a challenge. I remember in the first few days, um, some great people at Safety Max and I mean, just really all over Miller Coors, Procter & Gamble, all types of companies reached out to us to try to help us. And they were just just so willing to to give their time, their expertise, the Marine base, um, you know, was willing to, on their 3D printers, try to help us print masks and, and do different things. Um, I was just so just overwhelmed. I mean, the, the, that probably first two months of COVID just with the community outreach and, you know, people can say, um, you know, people, you know, I, I would say it's the minority of, of folks in Albany that say the negative things and the vast majority of people say the private, uh, uh, say the nice things in private, which I wish we could flip that I'm with at, at some point, but, you know, it, it, it's amazing what this community can do when it wants to work together and, and make something happen. There's nothing that can stop it, whether it be straight line winds or tornadoes. And, yep. and COVID was another example of that. I mean, the, the amount of love and support that was thrown by the community to Phoebe, um, you know, just dozens and dozens of, of, of folks willing to sew masks and, and, and do different things. I mean, it was it just blew. It, I was just I'm still trying to fully comprehend how amazing that was. And. You know, um, you know, county commissioners, city commissioners, uh, cooking food, bringing food from their restaurants, or cooking it in their backyard. I mean, just everybody and anybody was chipping in to try to help, and and I think that's what I've seen. Um, the, the best of Albany has been during those times. That's awesome. That's I'm so glad to hear that. You know, sticking along the, those same lines, you know, touch kind of talking about Albany. Um, you mentioned, you know, when you came to interview, you were kind of blown away by what the hospital had to offer, but you still had to, you know, job isn't everything. So talk to me a little bit about some of the factors that led you to make that leap to leave home, Fort Myers, uh, to come to this new place. Uh, and then, you know, maybe carry it forward and tell me what your experiences have been since arrival. That's right. Yeah, it's funny. I had when I interviewed at Phoebe, I had some people say, what are you crazy? Why would you leave a, a beach community? Um, you know, and, and that system to come here. And I think what people don't realize about Albany is, you know, uh, down at Fort Myers, I was at one point I was responsible for different services at different hospitals. I'd sometimes be in the car, you know, at 10 o'clock for 45 minutes, getting between two hospitals that were only 10 miles apart. I mean, it, the traffic is just insane. The amount of people is insane. Yep. 
um, you know, we all work for a living. We don't get to, you know, when you, when you live in a, a beach community, you don't, you don't go to the beach seven days a week. So it's not like it's, it's there all the time. Um, so I, what attracted me to Albany and my wife too, is really the, um, the way people live here. I mean, it's different. I mean, down in, down in South Florida, it's so fast paced. Everybody's in a hurry. Everybody has got somewhere to be. They don't have time to, to talk to you or be nice to you or even acknowledge you. I mean, heck there's neighbors down there that don't even know who, who each other's, who each other are. We moved into our rental house here in Albany. Um, I was blown away. I thought I was in a movie. The neighbor, the neighbor came right over and brought us a peach pie and peach ice cream. I thought this, I was looking for the cameras. I, could, I couldn't. <laughs> I mean, it's just it's a different environment, Brad. And and, it, and people don't talk about it enough. But you know, you can live in Atlanta or you can live in Tampa or you can live in Jacksonville, but it's just not the same. It's not the community feel. Um, you know. You, you don't have, it's a rat race mentality. And it's not like that in Albany. People generally will stop and care about what you're doing, what your kids are doing, um, you know, what's going on in your life. Um, I think that's what attracted me to, when I, when I walked down the hall at Phoebe for the very first time, what blew me away is how many people stopped and said, how are you doing? I hope you have a good day. I could, I could not believe, I mean, that did not happen at hospitals. Uh, people would just keep walking. They look at their shoes and they look up at the ceiling but, you know, they don't acknowledge each other. And I, I just could not believe how uh, friendly everyone was um, at the hospital and, and how welcoming and um, just interested in, in you as a person and, and, and who you were. So um, I think that's what attracted Albany. I mean, I'd say a couple other things that I always uh, laugh about with others is, you know, I don't know many communities. Um, Fort Myers didn't have an aquarium. Um, Fort, Fort Myers didn't have uh, a zoo. Um, there's, there's, there's a lot of things in Albany that, that Albany shouldn't have, that it does have, that it should just shout from the rooftops, um, how proud it is, um, that it has. And I, I think I see a lot of momentum, you know, with that and, and, and better things to come on the horizon in, in Albany. And I think we just need to be a whole lot prouder of Albany, all of us. And, and we, we all need to stop, you know, talking about the negative and, and talk about what's positive here and that'll attract more people. I tend to agree. I mean, quite honestly, that's why you and I are sitting here today. Uh, this all beyond the bank is a, is a pushback on that notion that there's something wrong with this place, uh, that you can't build a community here. Uh, so it's so refreshing to me to, and I'll, and I'll say this, Brian, it, it's, re, it's in a way it's refreshing, but in a way it's, it's kind of similar. I hear it too often from people who didn't, who weren't from here, who come here and, and remind us of how great this community is. And I trust that the, that feeling extends to your wife and daughter. Absolutely. When we interview at Phoebe, um, you know, I tell them, which I think this is a good thing, not a bad thing, but I tell them, hey, if you're, you know, in the bar scene and you want to bar hop till, you know, four in the morning and party and, and be crazy, don't come to Albany. I mean, that that's not that's not the place to come. But if, if you want to, you know, go have a nice dinner and, and, and spend time with friends and truly get in depth to them in their life, this is this is the right place. And I mean, I say that kind of joking, but I'm serious. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of communities that are based around, you know, a crazy bar scene and, you know, open till whenever. And, and we talk about crime and all, but all that attracts crime too. And all that, yeah. uh, you know, abuse, drug abuse and alcohol abuse. Um, Albany is, is a great, great place Monday through Sunday. Um, absolutely has opportunities to improve, but we, we spend way too much time uh, focusing on those opportunities to improve as opposed to all the great things that are here and, and the institutions that are here. Um, you know, the banks that are here, uh, the educational system that's here, um, there's always room for improvement. But but Albany is is a really really good place. It's a great place to raise a family. I've seen amazing people that have come out of Albany that um, whether them or their kids and gone on to amazing things. 
So I, we have a lot to be proud of um, in Albany. Man, that's so great to hear. I, I just it feel it fills my heart. Now, Brian, I know that uh, you know you can't share everything, but um, you know I can't have you here and not take the opportunity to kind of forecast a little bit. Can you tell the listeners about anything? I mean, there's been some things in the news about uh, expansion and some plans on the horizon. Can you give us updates on any projects or things to kind of be looking forward to in the coming months, years? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, one of the big projects we have is when Scott got here, he started what's known as the Phoebe Focus, which was kind of how do we plan out the next five to 10 years? So we spent a lot of time looking at the numbers, looking at demographics and, and what the community really needs. To your point earlier, uh, we did a lot of listening sessions. We went out to the local churches, asked them what, what they thought was important about Phoebe, what needed to change. We heard a couple things. We heard, number one, they wanted the emergency room services at the main hospital to change. They wanted them to be modernized. Um, the ER at the main campus hasn't been touched really in a major way for about 27 years. So it was state-of-the-art when it was designed and when it was built, the actual way that it's designed is still very similar to the racetrack format that you would see in a modern, uh, you know, brand new built hospital, but it's shown its age, you know, an ER never closes. I mean, it's, it's open just like Waffle House. It's, it's, yeah. it's open whether there's a storm or there's not, you don't have a whole lot of time to make major changes to your emergency room. So that's the first thing that's part of our, uh, you know, big project that we've rolled out uh, $140 million to, to modernize the ER, double its, its size. The next area is really around NICU services. So um, a lot of people don't realize this, but right now today we've got about 47 NICU babies at the hospital downtown in, in Phoebe. Um, we're actually uh, capable in terms of uh, the space to, to take care of about 25. So we've petitioned the state. Um, you know, there's been such a, a need and improvement in neonatal care and, and the viability of, of young babies that you know the demand is just is there. So we've asked the state for permission to expand that. And that's part of the project. We would go up to you know, 45, 47 uh, ability to take care of um, those patients in single rooms. You know, right now it's 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 not like what, what we would want. It's cramped. Um, my daughter was a NICU baby. We really want them to have private rooms uh, where the family can be with them and and, and have skin to skin contact um, sure. and really have that environment. So that's another big big project as that's part of the overall plan. And then uh, finally is really around our ICU services. So when we look at the community, our demographics. Just like most of America, uh, we're aging. We're seeing oh, yeah. that the 65 and older population is the growing, most growing demographic in, in Albany. So we got to take care of those people and be prepared to take care of them. So adding additional um, ICU capacity, intensive care capacity, is the third floor of that plan. Uh, we hope to have that project completed in about two, two and a half years. And then the most current project, which I think you, you mentioned a little bit about, is really the Living and Learning Center with Albany Tech across the street from uh, the main campus on Jefferson. The old Albany Middle uh, was also Albany High at one point. Um, you know, that building is in really, really rough shape. It's, it's, yeah. um, it was built, I think, close to 75, 80 years ago. Um, it, it's time for it to have a new purpose. And what we've said to the uh, community is, you know, it's been a, a place of, of academic excellence for many, many, many years, and we want to keep it that way. So we've worked with Albany Tech to come up with a, a nursing expansion program uh, that we would build in that building. Um, they would move over their ASN program and grow it to 200 students. They'd uh, move over their nursing tech program um, and some other health science programs from uh, Albany Tech. I, I like it from uh, both the Phoebe perspective, but I also like it from the Economic Development Commission, which I, I'm privileged to serve on. Because, you know, downtown Albany, um, you know, I think the way to improve downtown Albany is to get more people downtown. Sure. 
and you know, retail will follow, restaurants will follow, but we first have to get uh, more people living, you know, you know, Jefferson down to to Pine Street and, and all throughout um, you know, downtown Albany. So our project with the Living and Learning Center, the first floor would be a partnership with Albany Tech, and the second and third floor would be 80 apartments for nursing students, new nurses. Um, so you, you know, you really create that vibe of activity. Um, you know, during Monday to Friday, when this thing is fully operational, you have four to five hundred um, faculty, students, staff, you know, coming and going uh, downtown Albany, looking for restaurants for lunch, uh, you know, looking for entertainment, looking for things to do. Um, you know, thankfully, uh, right next to this project is the Rails to Trails project that goes all the way down by the river downtown. Yep. Um, so they they could pop right on there with their bikes and be downtown. Um, so I, I, from from both the Phoebe perspective, because because we know we need nurses. Um, there's a nursing shortage across the country, but also from economic development downtown and, and bringing some life uh, back down to downtown. I, I think it's so exciting, and I, I'm I'm very hopeful that we're able to move forward with that project. Man, that is so cool to hear. That is so cool. But you're right. I mean, we've seen it, you know, with the recent things that we've had downtown with the folks moving in the flats. You immediately saw retail come in. You've seen ancillary retail pop up around the Flint restaurant, and so we've we've sort of proven that. It, it will, that model will work if you just get behind it and do something. No, I'm so excited what some of the business owners have done downtown and, and how they're trying to breathe life into it. And then the uh, downtown uh, development authority and, and some of the concerts that they've brought downtown. I mean, it, it's just, it's just different. It's things to celebrate. Um, you know, there was some a concert series now this summer down there on the river. I mean, mm-hmm. how, how cool is that? I mean, with the vendors and, and being able to listen to some local musicians, I mean, once again, it's all things that we should be shouting from the roof about how proud we are and supporting those different programs and um, making Albany uh, what it is, something great. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm right there with you. My brother-in-law and his wife who live in Atlanta, they came to Albany Thursday night to see Brian Regan. I didn't go to Atlanta, <laughs> but that's a big deal. I mean, this is a guy I watched stand-up comedy routines yep. on Comedy Central in college, and yep. he's right here in my own backyard. Right. And I was so proud to see a crowd there. And Absolutely. You know, I'm thinking, yeah, and we've had Travis Tritt, and yep. just all these things of, you know, Dwight Yoakam show. And there is, you, there are yep. things happening and you just, you can yep. feel that momentum when you, when you open yourself up to it. We took my daughter uh, to the Civic Center. I can't remember the name of it, but it was the monster truck thing. Oh my oh, yeah. God. She, oh, yeah. she was just, I mean, just, she could not believe those monster trucks jumping all over the place. And oh yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, five years ago, that, that wasn't an opportunity in Albany. Nope. So, I mean, there's so much work that people are doing. I'm so glad that you all are highlighting them with this podcast and, 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 and highlighting what's good about our community because we talk so much about some of the minor issues and not enough about all the people that are doing good things. Yes, absolutely. Well, Brian, uh, you know, thank you for being one of those people who are doing great things and trying to move the community forward. It's not lost on those of us who are paying attention. Um, you know, we've pretty much covered the bulk of what I was hoping to touch on today, but I also want to make sure that I give you an opportunity if there's any you know questions you have for me or if there's anything you know, sort of near and dear to your heart or something you feel compelled to share with the listeners? Uh, actually, more, Brad, kind of curious, Brad, what, what's most challenging about the bank business right now in Albany, Georgia? Oh, that's a loaded question. Uh, you know, the, the probably the biggest challenge as I see it is just the sheer volume of information that's out there and making sure that you're able to effectively communicate with people what that means. Yeah. And, and the fact that the information is out there is going to have a different impact on di- people depending on what their situation is. Sure. I would say that's the greatest challenge. I believe we're poised to 
meet that challenge because we're local, because we're set up in a way that our board of directors is local. Uh, we make decisions locally. We really look at things that we're doing through the lens of the Albany community versus, you know, the greater economic world. Uh, that's not to say that those things don't matter, but we, we just feel like the tried and true way that we've built relationships and relied on relationships to guide us forward have positioned us for great success into the future. And so, yes, the, the, the winds change around us and we're going to have to make decisions based on that. And, and, you react to that, but if your foundation is strong and if it's one that's built on something like a, like an honest face-to-face relationship, then, you know, it is what it is. Well, and that's one thing, uh, you know, about a community like Albany, you can't run and hide. So no. you, you all have to be, uh, uh, in the community, out in the community. You certainly are. And I see all, all of you, Perry, Matt, you out and, and doing great things for the community and encouraging the community to do, do better for itself. And, um, there's been so much positive construction and development the last couple of years. I know you all have participated Heck in yeah. financing a lot of that. And it just excites me to see, um, you know, I always, I always tell people, you know, coming to Albany from, from Southwest Georgia, the, the one difference I notice is, you know, there was crime in, in Southwest Georgia. There was a lot of challenges with the school system in Southwest Georgia. There were a lot of challenges with all types of things, traffic, uh, noise, sewer systems, but you know what? There wasn't a whole lot of time to talk about them because the dang place was growing so much and people were too busy worrying about that next development around the corner and how we're going to get roads to it. And, um, you. you know, what are we going to do about, uh, you know, this new uh, strip mall that's been developed? And there, there was so much growth going on that people didn't have time to focus on some of the minor negative things. And I, I really believe that Albany's at that pivot point that if we can, you know, get some some real strong economic development going and really attract people to Albany. Our problems will change. We'll always have problems, yep. but the city manager and the county manager will be getting called a whole lot more about all the noise and the traffic. And uh, there, there's so many people moving to Albany, and and that that needs to be what we all what we all focus on. And A, B, and T plays a huge part in that because you all are really financing the ability for people to grow and, and attract new people and build houses and buy houses and buy cars. And so um, I think it's just. It's great what y'all are doing and appreciate y'all allowing me to come and talk to you. Well, Brian, thank you so much for that. You know, um, that was the big attraction for me to, to come here five years ago was that it was about more than just being a bank. It was about, you know, we believe that we're vital to our community and we want to get better at what we're doing because that allows us to help make the community a better place. And I think as long as we can keep that, in, in our foresight, we'll, we'll always have a, a good guiding light. Um, but it also helps too, to have folks like yourself who are dynamic and who are willing to, you know, come to town, roll up their sleeves, get in the, the melee and see what you can do to, to help. So, you know, again, I can't thank you enough. I think healthcare is, is vitally important as the banking side, if not more. I mean, we need a prosperous community, but you got to be healthy to be prosperous. So thanks to you and Scott and all the folks at Phoebe and all that y'all are doing to, for, for not just Albany, but Southwest Georgia as a whole. Well, folks, this pretty much wraps up my interview with Mr. Brian Church. Um, until next time, this is Beyond the Bank. 